Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to turn to the uh, Christmas passage of Genesis chapter 12 today. It's not a Christmas passage, um, but it is a precursor to Christmas, and we'll talk about that today. Uh, something I want to let you know before we get too far into the sermon, um, wanted to make sure before I announced it earlier, but if you're staying for lunch and for the fellowship, uh, in the place where you pick up food, in the serving line, there will be a basket of cards. Uh, and those are the cards that we'll be sending with Joseph um, to the hospital to give to uh, his coworkers. Here's what we're asking. If you're staying for lunch, we'd love for you to grab a card and a pen. And just during lunch, write one, two, 27, it doesn't matter. We have to write about 500 of them. Uh, one or two uh, cards and just write a, a prayer. It doesn't have to, you don't have to have a name on it. And just to say, you know, I want to let you know, I'm thankful for what you do. I'm, I'm praying for you right now as I write that. Whatever the God puts on your heart, we'd love to do that. And then at the end, um, we'll have a basket for you to place those in. And so um, that, I can't overemphasize how important that is. And we're excited to, to be a part of that. Um, today, we're talking about Abraham and Christ. And we're looking back uh, in the reflections about what the revelation was in the Old Testament about Christ coming in the New Testament and, and what it would have meant that moment that, that the Isaiah uh, chapter 9 prophecy was fulfilled, that, that God was with us, that Emmanuel, God in the flesh, came to earth. And, and I thought about this in Abraham's promise, this foundational promise, how valuable and important uh, the, the word promise is. Um, I, I make promises as a dad a lot and as a husband a lot. Uh, and, and quite honestly, my intention is always to follow through on my promises. When Christy, uh, we were going through a difficult time uh, financially and she had to go back to work for a while earlier on in her marriage. Um, she said, I can do that, but I need help with the kids. And I said, I've got this, I promise, I've got your back. And so part of that help was there were going to be certain days where Ashley was going to be at school and Christy couldn't pick her up and, and I would have to go pick her up. I said, no problem. And, and I, was, I was really excellent at this most days. Uh, but there was one particular day about an hour after school was out that I get a phone call and on the other voice is my daughter, their preteen uh, voice saying, Dad, are you coming to pick me up? And I said, well, of course I am. Where are you? She said, I'm at school. You forgot. She said, where are you, Dad? I said, hmm, I'm having a cookie with a church member right now, but I'll put it down and be right there. Um, we, we laugh about that story now but in, my, in that time, my daughter went to a school where when you were the last person there, it wasn't always the safest place to be hanging out and by yourself. And here, her dad, who I, I would challenge anyone else in the world other than her mom to, to say that they love and care for my daughter more than I do. And I promised I would be there for my wife, my daughter, I would be there for. But this one day, I got distracted by a cookie. Church, I want you to know if there's any promise in scripture that falls, that fails, any promise that God makes that falls and fails, it all falls apart. Everything falls apart. If God says it and gets distracted by a cookie, so to speak, then it all unravels. 
And so what's beautiful about the story of Abraham to Christ is that that has never happened. And and in Abraham's life, the promise that God makes is this big, audacious promise. And in Genesis chapter 15, verse six, the Bible says that Abraham believed God. He took him at his word and it was added to him. It was counted as right, his right relationship with God. The promise that God made to Abraham is so big. Abraham is called the father of the Jewish nation. He is mentioned over 75 times in the New Testament. He was not a perfect man, He was never meant to be the perfect man. In fact, he was chosen because God chose him and nothing else. He wasn't spectacular. He wasn't amazing. He wasn't groomed for the position. But belief has to be founded on something. And Abraham allowed his belief to be founded upon the reality that the Lord is able to set the impossible in motion. Look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 4. Genesis chapter 12, 12, verse 1 through 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse in all In you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. See, what we're going to look at today is the expectation of of Christmas, of God coming, the Messiah being born and, and bringing in the reign of God. And what we have to start is with this promise of the impossible to Abraham, because what we find out is that was just the beginning. It wasn't the whole enchilada. It wasn't the big picture. It wasn't everything there was. But in in Abraham, we have something that points to a greater promise in Christ, something that is much, much more. So the the promises of God to Abraham in in chapter uh, 12 seem simple. To give you a land to make you a people and to turn you into a blessing to let all the nations of the world be blessed through you in in hindsight this looks pretty simple as we look back to that we we can see the fruit the jewish nation and we'll talk through some of these things at a time but when abram was told this when he was called by god he had just relocated with his with his family to another location he had just found himself in haran his, his dad had passed away. He was now uh, in charge, so to speak, relatives surrounding him. And when God gives them this promise, he is a nobody in an interesting point in history. If you look back in historical books, when Abraham would have been alive and when the evidence shows it is, is somewhere towards the beginning middle of what we call the Bronze Age in history. And and at this time, right about the time of Abraham's being born and being raised, the world was at its greatest population. There had never been this many people in the world's surface. About 20 million or so is how many are estimated by historians. Now, if you were to do the math, quite interestingly, Abraham was 10 generations from Shem. And if you play that out, the number that you would find in generations would be between 
14 to 23 million. And so the estimates of the world and the realities of scripture just start pulling together. But about 10 million of these people are estimated to have been in the Near East, in, in the Middle Eastern area where Abram was living. And so can you imagine being told by God when the world is the most crowded it's ever been, I want you to leave here. I'm going to give you a, a lot of land. I'm going to get, make you into a great people. And I'm going to turn you into a person, a nation that blesses nations. That would be like you living in Pearland today and God saying, hey, listen, I know it looks crowded, but I'm giving you like 27 acres in the middle of Pearland. You say, that's going to be tough. Because I don't think there's that much room anywhere around. There's no, there's no space like that. It's all owned. People possess it all. Who am I? I'm a nobody. But, but in this time, God is at work. Because in history with the Bronze Age, God makes a promise to Abraham to give him space that Abraham, that Abraham can't imagine. And to make him a people when the place is crowded with people. And so God makes a promise when it seems most impossible. But what's going on in history that our sovereign God controls would be the most rapid population decline recorded up to date. Because in the Bronze Age, through a series of natural events and other things going on, the population of the world has a steep decline and all of a sudden land starts to open. What God does from his sovereign perspective is done outside of the purview of Abram. All Abram knows is God has promised me something and I want to follow him. Look at his promise today and let's look at how it points to Jesus Christ and to good news for us. Just go to verse 1 of chapter 12. The Bible says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your father's country, from your kindred, from your father's house to the land I will show you. At just the right time, God makes this promise and he says, the first thing I wanna give you is I wanna promise you a land. And, and in Abram's life, what he would have pictured was space, a territory, a place to call his own in this crowded world. He would have pictured a betterment of life and a possession to call his own. Now, the belief that this would have taken for him to, to strong and to run after it would have been amazing. But the Bible said that he believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. Church, we see the fulfillment or the beginning of it through the pages of the Old Testament. If you were to look in your scripture, you would say, what did God give? Did he follow through? If you look at the, the promise of, of Joshua, and the, the book of Joshua and the overtaking of the promised land, what do we see? We see that God gave Abram and his people this promised land. We see that God fulfilled that promise. But do you know what? Abram didn't believe that that would be all there would be. In fact, he believed more. In Hebrews chapter 13, the Bible writes out something pretty clearly. The Bible says, excuse me, chapter 11, verse 8 and then I'll read through verse 13. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go and that he was called to receive his inheritance. 
He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of a promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and with Jacob, heirs who, who with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city that has foundations whose designer and builder was God. See, Abraham wasn't captivated. He didn't believe in his lifetime, in the number of his days on this side of eternity, that all of it, that all that God had planned, that all that God had promised would be received. In fact, it says he went after a land believing that God would fulfill his promise along the way, but that what God had lined up for him was greater than what he could imagine, greater what he could think, greater than what he could desire. Verse 13 says this way, all these died in faith, not having received the things promised, but seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Church, promise of God to Abraham for the land was one that was greeted from a long way off yet Abram believed that what God had started he would see through church in the coming of Jesus Christ in the promise of the Messiah that would have been the hope of Israel that, that, that would have been every Jew's dream, every descendant of Abraham and so much more would have thought in the Messiah, there will be more than what God gave to Abram, what God promised to Abraham. In Jesus Christ, church, we don't just have a, a land. We have a home, a better country, John chapter 14, verse 1, records Jesus saying this to his people. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would I have told you that I, excuse me, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself and where I am, you may also be. See, church, in Abram, God gave this promise. Leave your home and go to a land I'm giving to you. But scripture shows us that in Christ, we have an eternal dwelling place. The full fulfillment that Abraham only saw from afar. Church, in your life, as you think of what home is, about how many times you've moved around, what could you imagine that was better? I told you before, many times in, in our life, we moved around. We, we rented five homes in the same neighborhood uh, growing up. We, we bounced where we needed to. And, and when I got married, I thought that's what you were supposed to do. My wife had a different definition of home. When you buy a house and you move in, you stay. You make relationships with the people around you. You introduce yourself to the neighbors. What a novel concept. She had a better view of home than I did. But even as we live here in this place, we can imagine a better country, a better home. 
You see, a lot of time today is spent on the end times. What will it be like? What will the world endure when Christ comes back? But scripture's pages are filled with pictures of the better country, of a better home. God stokes and pricks the imagination of men and women throughout the course of history, recorded in scripture, talking about a better country, a permanent home that is offered to us. Church, Abraham was not changed because he was hoping for a bigger house a better fence and richer ground to make a life in he believed that God would provide what he said he would believe God would provide a place for him but more than that he believed that what he was seeing here presently was just a glimpse of what was coming in Jesus Christ, we get the closest glimpse of God's promise of a home. And his promise then is, I have been faithful this far. Where I go, I go to prepare a home for you. In Christ, we have so much more than a land. In Abram, we see that God promised him a legacy. Look at verse two of Genesis chapter 12. The Bible says it this way. God speaks and he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Church, when, when Abraham heard this, he would have thought two things. One, to be a great nation, you have to have a family. At this time, Abram is married. They have no children. So he had to believe that God would give him a son, a child, someone to carry on the family. But he also had to believe that God wouldn't stop there, that he would multiply this out. He had to trust that what he had not yet experienced, that God was good at his word to carry it through to the end. We see in scripture at the age of 100 for Abraham, the age of 90 for his mom, Isaac is born. Abraham had tried other ways to help God's promise out. Well, God promised that Sarah and Abram would have a son. So uh, Abram said, God, she's getting a little old and she agrees with me. And so Sarah says, well, why don't you just marry my maidservant and we'll just, we'll help God out a little bit. God says, I don't, I don't need your help, Abraham. I didn't call you because of who you are. I called you because of who I am. I will give you a son through you and through your wife. And she laughed. And what does God do? He gives Abraham and, and Sarah a son. Now here's the amazing thing. And, and we just get to see these promises fulfilled but if you were to look to, to the book of Numbers, in Numbers chapter 26, verse 51, the Lord records that the number of men that entered into the promised land, 601,730. That doesn't count women and children. Was God faithful to Abraham, to the promise that he gave him, that I would make you a great nation, I would make you a legacy? Absolutely, but what Abram saw up close he knew was just a glimpse of what was coming see church in in abram he got that legacy but in christ we are made part of a family 
it's so much more than just being a part, just being connected to. If you were to look back through your family tree, once you get past like your great, great grandparent, our bloodlines are are so mixed up and so crazy. Everybody's somebody's second or third cousin, amen? I mean, everybody's related to somebody somehow. Growing up, I was told I was related to John Adams. I bet half the country is somehow related to John Adams. Church, what we know is that legacy is important, but a family matters more. Listen to what Galatians chapter 3 says. Galatians chapter 3 verse 25 says it this way. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying in you shall all the nations be blessed so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham the man of faith church Abraham knew that God was good for his word he knew it before Isaac was born but when Isaac came it it made it true all the more but what he saw up close he knew he wasn't looking at the whole picture but in Christ in the coming of the Messiah on Christmas that that promise was seen fulfilled because all of a sudden the family expanded all of a sudden we see that it's not just those who are born of the bloodline of Abraham that are included in the family and the promise of God, but it was all who would believe in Jesus Christ by faith. All of a sudden, Jesus Christ coming in the flesh disrupts all of culture. and says that anyone who follows me in faith belongs. Church, what's it like to have a family? When you look at scripture and the promises of what that looks like, we start to look around and we see a church like this. We think of ourselves crowded among believers. We see every tribe, nation, and tongue offered life. You see, Christ didn't care where you're from, who your parents were. He didn't care what you have in your pocket, how much or how little. He didn't care how much you own or how great your name was. Because just like Abraham, you and I have nothing to add to God. But in Christ, we have everything to receive from him. Church, he is faithful. He's not a dad who makes a promise that he hopes to keep, but he is a God who is faithful in every moment. In the book of Hosea, Paul records a repeating of these words, I guess, in Romans. In Romans chapter 9, Paul recalls one of the most interesting books of the Bible, this book of Hosea where a prophet is called to marry a prostitute to be an example, to be a literal life lesson. For the people of Israel. And Paul says, listen, even when he who is called, not from the Jews, but also the Gentiles, this is what the word says, those who are not my people, I will call my people. And to her who is not beloved, I will call beloved. And in every place where it was said to them, you are not my people, 
they will be called the sons of the living God. How much grander is the fulfillment of Christ, of God's promise, than the promise to Abraham? Church, I know we love quick satisfaction, don't we? I mean, we, we love cheap junk now, right? How do I know that? I went to the, to the store on Saturday. Did any of you go out shopping Saturday? I don't know what was being sold, but everyone in the world wanted to buy it. The lines were long, people were crowded, sale was in it, my email's full of stuff. We walked out, went to all these stores on Saturday, went home carrying nothing. But people desiring a discount on something temporary right now. What scripture says in Christ we don't have a family that's temporary, a legacy that will be forgotten. But in Christ, we have a family that will endure throughout time, throughout generations. And you and I are accepted in because of who Christ is, not because of who you are. Finally, scripture says this, the promise to Abraham was land, family, and a blessing. Now, now listen to the blessing part of it. It says in verse two, the second half, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and to him who dishonors you, I will curse. In you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. I mean, could you imagine God making this promise to you? If your world was just one place, if God said to you, I'm gonna bless you and whoever blesses you, you're gonna, I'm gonna bless them. And whoever curses you, I'm going to curse them. The expectation of, of, of Abraham would have been very clear. God, you want me to be a blessing everywhere I go. And you're going to make sure that happens. And to those who don't see me as a blessing, you're going to curse them. God would have said, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Abraham, Abraham would have said, I'm a nobody with no family. How in the world? Am I going to be that person? I can't imagine it. But as soon as he sets out, it's tested. As soon as he leads, we, he starts to get blessed by, by kings who he's afraid of. He starts to be blessed by his neighbors. He, he starts to find that his territory increases so much that he and Lot, his nephew, he took with him. They have to split because the land can't hold them. We see that, that when Lot is captured, and, and all of these kings are defeated that Abraham and a group of men they go out and they rescue Lot those who attack God takes care of those who bless God blesses church Abraham believed that this would be true and it was but what he was experiencing up close was just a taste of what was coming and he knew that church in Abram we see God make a blessing, but in Christ, we see an eternal freedom. See, Abram would only be able to bless those who were right there with him. The promise was, was as if I have to be there for it to happen. So what does that mean? You always wanted to be his neighbor. Amen? I, I remember one day the neighbor came over to my house. And, 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 and uh, we were talking and he was leaving and I started mowing my yard and he said, you should mow my front yard too. That was a low blow. 
So he pulled out. So I mowed his yard. So he came back over the next day and said, man, you didn't have to do that. And he brought me a, a, a wine and cheese basket. I didn't know what to say. No one's ever brought me a wine and cheese basket. I don't, I don't drink. Um, we've seen the effects of that in my family's story. I have no desire. Um, but I didn't say that to him. I didn't give my family history. I just said, man, you didn't have to do this. He's like, no, I want to. I'm like, all right, all right. So, so I take it. We, we eat the cheese. We don't drink the wine. A, few, a little while later, I'm mowing the backyard. And he's like, David, come here. I mean, I want to I do something nice for you. I said, what's that? Puts a bottle of wine over the fence. I'm like, I'm like, oh man, no, 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 thank you. He goes, no, no, someone gave it to me. Apparently it's a very expensive bottle. I don't drink this stuff. I'm like, bro, I don't drink this stuff. We were laughing. He goes, that's okay. Just give it to a deacon. Like, no joke, no joke. So, so in the middle of that, he's, that's the kind of neighbor that Abraham was. He's like, I just want to bless you. I just want to do something nice for you. And you're like, man, I want to do something nice for you. Wherever he was, blessing was right there with him. In Jesus Christ, there's so much more. It, it's not just this temporary blessing of something that will, that will move away. But it's a forever freedom. Listen to what Jesus says in John. The book of John chapter 8 verse 31 it says Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him if you abide in my word you're truly mine you're my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free and they answered him we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved never been enslaved to anybody how is it that you say you will become free and Jesus answered them truly truly I say to you everyone who practice practices sin is a slave to sin and the slave does not remain in the house forever the son remains forever so if the son sets you free you will be free indeed you see church in abraham his neighbors knew a blessing but in jesus christ we have the blessing of being forever free. These Jews had told Jesus, we've never been slaves before. All you have to do is look back through the story of scripture through Jewish history. The Jews were slaves a lot. But, but what they were, were trying to do was trying to this name and proclaim. You say it, it'll happen kind of thing, I guess. And Jesus says, not only are you lying, but right now, you're a slave to sin. Because the promise to Abraham was not freedom from sin. Look at his life. Abraham sinned just like the rest of us. But in the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah in the cradle, we have the opportunity to understand that what Abraham saw up close, he knew was just a distant view of God's promises to be true. Because not only do we have a home in Christ that's eternal, not only do we have a family in Christ that is eternal, we have a freedom in Christ that is eternal and we have been given the command to bless others with this same freedom. Church, the Bible says at just the right time, Christ died for us in the book of Romans.
At just the right time, the Lord intervened and made this promise to Abram. He didn't have much to go on, but he believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, here's the beautiful thing. You and I have hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years to look back on and to see the promises fulfilled by God. A few years back, they started running odds. If you get a bunch of guys who, who love Jesus in the room who are all mathematicians and statisticians, they love doing this stuff. There are 60 major just major things the Messiah was said to do in the Old Testament. 60. There, there's a lot more promises than that. But of those 60, the odds of someone doing eight of those, any one person, was one in a zillion, basically. One times 10 to the 15th power. Here, here's what that looks like. What Scripture records, what history verifies, is this is that the opportunity, the ability that Jesus Christ could be who he was and just, just do the things that he did, the things in his life that happened to him would be like me blindfolding you, covering the state of Texas two feet deep in silver dollars and putting a red dot on one of them. Mixing them all up and saying, you have one try to get this right. And you finding it on the first try. That's just eight. Scripture shows that Christ fulfilled all of them. Now, I'm no statistician, statistician. It got out of my educational realm. But they started running the odds on what it would be for someone to do 48 of these 60. 48 of these Old Testament prophecies. And the number is one times 10 to the 157th power. I don't know that number. A Google as a kid was as big as I got, and that was only 100. But, but here's what a, a scientist said. The best example he could give is, we can't use silver dollars because they're too big, so let's use electrons. So if you made 500 balls of electrons, 6 billion light years in radius, every minute from now until the beginning of time, backwards. And you blindfolded someone and said, I put a red dot on one of those electrons. You've got one try to get it right. Those are the odds of one man doing all 48 of the 60. It was counted to Abraham as righteousness because he believed what God told him. Church, how much more in Jesus Christ do we have than Abraham ever knew? That same faith is offered to us more than we could ever imagine or dream. And we get to be a part of the legacy of Christ, the family that was promised, the home that is forthcoming. Church, the invitation is what Christ said. Those who believe and abide in my word, you're mine. That's the anticipation that all creation saw 
that moment our Messiah came in the flesh in the manger. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Lord, going back over these promises you made to Abraham, Abram before you changed his name. Lord, I, I know, I know we can make it feel redundant. Lord, maybe we've grown up in church and ho- heard this a thousand times, or it's easy to, to be honest that the Jews have more land than, than Abram had that day, or that there are more people in his bloodline than he had then. But your word tells us that he didn't believe what he would experience was even close to the fulfillment of the true promises beneath your word. God, how right he was. But Lord, we look back on the promises fulfilled and know that the promises made, the promises yet to come are trustworthy and true. That in Jesus Christ, we have an eternal home, a place, a place that we will never be kicked out of, a place we'll never have to abandon. In Jesus Christ, We have a family that we will never be cut off from and that extends as wide as its reaches high. And in Christ, Lord, you have blessed us beyond what any man, any woman has ever dreamed. Freedom from the slavery of sin to pursue you. Lord, I pray in this room Lord, if there are those who've walked with you for years, that you would allow them to pursue you anew because of your promises. Lord, we don't want to just be good neighbors with you, hoping that we're doing something kind, begging to receive a blessing. God, we want to be your people. Lord, we want to live in your promise and your blessing. Let our faith be fresh and new. Lord Jesus, I I pray that there's any watching or in this room, Lord, that has never leaned in to the promise, that that never did what what Abram did. They've never gone after you. Lord, they've never taken that step to say, Father, I can't see it all, but I believe you. Lord, that in this moment, they would know that the promise is greater than the imagination. And they would begin with the word, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you and your promise. Father God, we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.